Pickett, she lays it off, Teresa Polaris! It's an absolute peach! Yes, driving! What a hit from Melina Reyes! Wow! And Sam Kerr has a hat-trick! Meet him Radio Dub on FNR. I'm your host, Pekil Frimpong. As, as always, my amazing co-host, Josh Parrish, is here with me. Josh, it was weird to not have the show last week. I, I wasn't feeling the best, but now we're back. And you made me come in on a public holiday. That's fine. That's fine. We <laughs> here, at F, here at Radio Dub, we, we work hard, yeah? We don't take days off. Well, I did, but... We don't really, unless it's neat. Because here's like a Lannister. She always pays her debts, we and we were in debt by by a exactly. week. We had to cancel the show. Bit of a migraine, yep. shaking it off over Christmas, yep, exactly. and we're back for Radio Dub to exactly. catch up on all those games we missed. I'm. It's just as well we're back because a lot happens. A lot has happened. In the and I will women's. say that's the only time I'll ever be accept being referenced to as a Lannister because I'm a Stark <laughs> through and through. Yeah. Okay. Um. There a lot has happened. We had some good football this weekend. We had some great football last weekend. Kind of a little bit of a flow-on effect. Some teams kept the same uh, intensity from the week those past two weeks, and one of those teams was Melbourne City. Comfortable 3-1 victory over Adelaide two weeks ago, and then this weekend, Hannah Wilkinson decided, you know what, I want these records in the dub. I'm I'm a champion, and she scored put five past a lacklustre Melbourne's victory side. Oh, my goodness. Record equaling. Mm, yes. It was a record I didn't know belonged to Kate Gill until... Yeah, I didn't uh, know that either. Taya referenced it on the call. But uh, also equaled the overall A-League's record. So, of course, that's still in the men's comp. Archie Thompson, five goals in a grand and final. And she's the fastest hat-trick from start of a game. Obviously, Sam Kerr's got the record for, I think, it was like seven minutes. She scored a yep. hat-trick. But from a start of a game, Hannah Wilkinson was, uh, is the fastest which is a great record as well to have. It, it's interesting. It, strikers and confidence. It seems <laughs> yeah. like uh, the dam has broken for Hannah Wilkinson she, in a massive exactly. way. Exactly. Like, there was definitely a few people asking questions at the start of the season going, she's she's playing okay, but she's not. she hasn't been as explosive as you know, we initially thought she would be coming into this season. But she put those two past Adelaide, and ever since then, which I, I know it's only two weeks, but... Five goals is it's no no small feat. No slouch in no. front of goal. Um, she she just gives Melbourne City this yeah. this target presence up top, and with two playmakers surrounding her that really complement each other. Uh, Holly McNamara with the speed and the dribbling, and Rihanna Polizzino, who we're going to speak to in a few exactly. minutes. Uh, with the technique and the precision passing. It's a nice uh, formula that City have, have got going for them. But honestly, this game said more about victory than it did about Melbourne City for I, me. Now, Josh, see, if people don't follow you on Twitter, you did have a – you watched the game on delay mm-hmm. and then you had a few things to say on your Twitter thread, which I actually – I was I agreed with the most of the points you were – you did put out there. What do you want to reiterate it to some people who haven't seen it? Yeah, so uh, I was I was not watching this one live, so I knew the result going into it. So it was a bit of a diagnostic process, yeah. uh, watching it on delay and knowing the ridiculous scoreline that was about to unfold. Of course, 5-1 it finished. And, uh, I mean, the centre-back issue is glaring. I don't think it was really treading any new ground to say that Kayla Morrison... Uh, her absence looms large, not only given her qualities and her aerial dominance, but also her leadership and the way that she pushes the other players in tough situations. When the going gets tough, you want Kayla Morrison on the field 
to coach the rest of the players through the situation. And without her there wearing the armband, it's it's a tough one for victory. You know, the first three goals, I mean, Casey Dumont had a nightmare. Tifeli Artis had a nightmare. Placement centre half. It's not really her natural position, so you can't really blame her. But every time City pumped a long ball vaguely in the direction of Mount Victory's back line and just descended into blind panic. The first two goals come from mistakes on long balls. Yep. The third more obviously um, than the first. So two of the first three goals, sorry. Uh, but the first was, you know... A, a second ball, a, a header that wasn't cleared far enough and just dropped straight to City's front three and they just slid just past through quickly and, and it's a goal. Um, as Hannah Wilkinson was in lethal form that day. And the other goal is, of course, the Casey Dumont mistake where she clears it straight into a into a City yeah. play into Holly McNamara, who actually picked up the assist for that block, uh, as she should do. And the, the pressing from City was very good all day. Uh, but that, that's a glaring problem. The other thing is... There's no pressure release valve in central midfield for victory at the moment. Now, that central midfield, they have a lot of talent. Mm. Like, and and they, that is the thing about victory. They have a lot of talent. They're really great players. But I don't think that Jeff Hopkins understand, currently knows the best, like the form, formation for that midfield because I'm looking at it and at, at times they aren't pressing and it's giving – there's a massive exposure for that defence – and that defence, without Caleb and that leadership, there seems to be a lack of cohesion about, oh, I need to cover this player and I need to do this. And I think some of the goalkeeping errors, I think if Kayla Morrison was there, I think she gives the call and that's comfortably in the goalkeeper's hands and we're not having these little mistakes that mm. that kind of vet- veteran presence of her kind of sorts out, unfortunately. Yeah, um, she's very confident on the ball as well and... I don't think Victory have been able to play out from the back as confidently without her there. I think you're hinting at that. Um, Annalie Alongo is is a player who didn't re-sign for Victory this season, despite being a key member of the championship-winning team last time out. And she's decided to go home to New Zealand and take up a, a plum job with the football admin side of things and probably uh, affecting the the country and the, the football in a, in a more positive way than she would possibly do as one player on the pitch. But... It's just a shame to see a player at 30 essentially going to semi-retirement yeah. from football, certainly not professional football. She's not playing anymore uh, when she still has plenty of good years left in her. And without her always offering for the ball off the centre backs, Amy Jackson looks a little bit lost yeah. and is put under all sorts of pressure by opposition teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm, for me, I think that Chidiak might need to go a little bit further back in defence because I think mm. she's best when she's picking up the ball and, and initiating that that attack because with her having been so far forward with Kyra Cooney cross up there, it, they look very exposed and they're not – sometimes watching Kyra, it looks as if she's not a player who goes on the front foot. Sometimes she's a little bit reactive and if they're not picking up the ball like from the back – She's kind of inefficient and not really effective at all for them. But you know what? It's They happened last season. They lost to Brisbane. They got absolutely destroyed by Brisbane last year. And they, and they recovered and they moved on. And that's what Jeff said after the press conference, during the press conference. So I, hopefully it's you know they can move on from this. Yeah, I, I think Chidiak was the one player who emerged without much blame attached to her. Uh, certainly in the first 20 minutes, uh, she was running the game really and uh, the rest of her teammates didn't step up to her standard. But we, we've got to get to our first guest. Before we do, two more points. 
Alana Murphy looked very good off the bench. Yeah, I thought she should have come on a little bit earlier. That's, yeah. That was She's one of very my... young but very composed, and yeah. she got rave reviews off her teammates based on her training performances yeah. in preseason, so maybe she should be pushing for a start. You mentioned the option of moving Chidiak deeper so that she can initiate the play and offer from the for the ball from the centre half. So I think that's a good move. I'm not sure where Amy Jackson fits into the picture at the moment because she's just being targeted every time she gets it and she was responsible for some of those bad turnovers yeah. that City then counted from. And the other thing is uh, Catherine Zimmerman, while she's as lethal in front of goal, she doesn't offer the same threat in the build-up as Melina Ayres would. So I'm not sure what's and, happening with yeah, Melina Ayres and still, her injury. She's still recovering from the injury. I think they've just been a little bit cautious. Mm. Um, that's what Jeff said in uh, Joey's piece. So we'll, we'll look. We'll give them, you know, they are still the defending champions. And I, I, Jeff, is an ama- Jeff Hopkins is an amazing manager, and I think he will sort it out. But there are some warning signs early, especially this lack, this inability to keep a clean sheet without Kayla Morrison. But Josh... We're going to head to a break. When we come back from the break, we've got uh, Melbourne City forward Rihanna Policina. We're going to, I'm going to clarify how you say her last name because I don't want to get it wrong. This um, might be a bit of an Orazio Fantasia exactly, situation. Yeah, we'll how, how, does your, how does your grandma say it? That's, that, exactly, that's the question. Exactly. Pick it. She lays it off. Teresa Polaris. It's an absolute peach. Here's And we're back here on Radio Dub on FNR Football Nation Radio. Josh Parrish and Pakua Frimpong with you. And we are delighted to be joined now by one of the breakout stars of the season, Melbourne City playmaker Rihanna Politsina. Welcome to FNR. Thank you so much for having me. Take us through your wonder goal. We have to rewind a week now, but against Adelaide United, just teed that one up to curl it into top bins. How did that feel to announce yourself to the Melbourne City fans? Uh, look, it was definitely good good to get on the score sheet. Um, lucky for me, it was a banger. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we can't take the credit away from Wilkie last week scoring five goals. So I feel like my goal has been forgotten now and it's moved on to Wilkie with her incredible five goals in the last game. <laughs> well, let's not forget about it straight away because you have a bit of a track record of scoring spectacular goals. Uh, I'm reading here that you actually scored the goal of the tournament at an international futsal tournament. Yeah, I did. So, uh, to be to be fair, I kind of miss in the 18 yard box. So most of my <laughs> goals are scored outside the 18 yard box. <laughs> so, are you saying that basically you you prefer outside the box, absolute screamer, as opposed to simple tap in? And is that is that the type of goal you're after? Yeah, I prefer a screamer rather than a one-on-one because one-on-ones, I'm terrible. (laughs) I will say, though, this futsal goal, I feel like we're understating it, Josh, because we saw it. It was a beautiful knuckle. It, like, turned. The goalkeeper had no... From halfway, halfway, if you don't mind. The goalkeeper had no idea what was going on. They were like... (laughs) I didn't sign up for this. I'm not trying to get embarrassed. Move one way and then the other uh, against Russia back in uh, 2017. And you established yourself as a bit of a a futsal star in in New South Wales. Had a long absence from the W League, as it was then known, the A-League women now. Um, But back last season to be player of the season on your return for Newcastle Jets. Tell us about that journey and and coming back to the outdoor game. Uh, Yeah, so I made my Wanderers debut when I was younger. 
I had 17 um, and then kind of fell a bit out of love in, with the game um, and then started playing futsal. Absolutely loved that. Um, and then it wasn't until last year during COVID where I worked really hard and I went back into MPL Sydney and got picked up by Ash for a trial at Jets and then fell in love with it again and um, fortunate enough had a really good season there and credit to Ash for giving me the opportunity at Newcastle um, and then um, made my way to Melbourne City. So when I got the call from Rado, I was absolutely stoked. What is it? I'm assuming obviously as a kid you you grew up loving football and playing football, you know, most, you know, most weekends. What does it feel like to fall out of love with something that you've loved throughout your entire childhood and is like, you know, is a really big part of your personality? Uh, yeah, it was definitely hard. Um, and obviously your parents put so much time and effort into it as well. So it was pretty shattering for them. Um, but I was exposed to so much football as a younger kid, um, which which took over a lot of things in my life. Um, and, yeah, like when you get setbacks as well, you kind of have those struggling moments. Um, but it wasn't – I didn't fall in love with it fully. I was still playing outdoor in the MPL um, and then just picked up futsal, which I loved, and then I'm fortunate enough to have found my love for it again and be where I am today. How did it feel coming back to the Jets um, after that long absence and, and getting a look in once again and then really establishing yourself as a, as a cornerstone of that team last year? Yeah, it felt really good. I didn't expect to be a starting player at all. When I went to the trials, I was like pushing for a spot and, and working hard. And then when I got the call up to say I got my contract, I was so excited. And then I was just a, a squad player and I worked really hard in preseason, performed in preseason games and then became a starting player and a 90-minute player for the Jets. So, yeah, it felt amazing and just pretty much proved the hard work that I put in during COVID and the support that I had around me in my MPL season to push me to be a better player. So I was playing with the likes of Georgie Emmendale, um, Princess Sabini, all those players who pushed me and made me want to get better. So... Yeah, that's that's how I got the call up, and yeah, I was definitely excited to get the call up for Jets. I mean, it's quite a story, really. Uh, and going from that to now catching the eye of, of Rado Vidisic at probably the the league's most storied football program at, at Melbourne City. I mean, what's your experience been like of the club so far? Oh, I'm absolutely loving it. The standard the team, the coaching staff from whether it be our physio to Rado is just, it's next to none. Like the professionalism of the club is, is amazing. And yeah, like I can't, I can't, there's no words to explain how, how lucky I am to be a part of Melbourne city. And definitely the team is just absolutely amazing. And you can see on the weekend how close together we are as a group and, on and off the field, we just want to work for each other. And, yeah, I'm definitely glad I've picked the right move. See, I, looking at Melbourne City last year, they were in a bit of a transition, a really young squad that didn't have really high expectations because of how young the squad was. This year you've got a lot of experienced players that have come into the side. What was the expectations that Rado set for the team and you, you yourself set for yourself going into this season? I suppose Rado pretty much just said 
it's all about effort. Um, and then having those experienced players like your checkers, like your studies, um, your Wilkies coming in, um, they've just been great. Like they've, we've got a really young team and from our youngest to our oldest, it's, there's, there's no, um, it's all equal. No one puts himself above anyone else. So we've got Bubs who's 42 and our youngest is 16, which is Caitlin and Bubs will take anyone under her wing with someone of her experience. And it's the same as Cheka, it's the same as Stotty. So it's all like we've all treat each other equally. Um, and Rado said that everything's about effort. And as you can see on the field, all we do is seem to put in effort and the results are starting to show. Um, and that's what's, that's what's our main focus is this year. What I'm starting to notice over the last couple of games is that chemistry with the front three really really developing with yourself Holly McNamara and Hannah Wilkinson and you, you seem to have qualities that that complement one another you're all very different players but I think that helps yeah for sure if you um have been watching like you can see us three we're completely different players like I'm not a runner at all and I like the ball like I'll work in defense and I'm not quick off the ball so and Holly McNamara is super fast and then Wilkie's a great finisher. So we all balance each other out. Um, but I feel like everything comes from our press and you can't press with just three players. It's the other um, eight players behind you. So together on the field, it's just everyone, the chemistry is amazing. So and our, it's fortunate that our starting lineup hasn't changed as yet. So it's been four games to build that chemistry. Um, but yeah, like there's another eight players on the field that involves the front front three to press. Um, and then we're getting the good service as well. So it's a credit to everyone on the pitch. One of the things that I've been really impressed with watching City this year is how, like, you're the spine of the team is so succinct and it, the ball moves flow so effortlessly from the back line to the, to the front. Like, I've, you guys have changed. Sometimes you change your tactics up, but it's always quite consistent Having Stoddy in the your midfield has seemed to really settle and balance the side. What's it been like to play with her? Oh, it's been absolutely amazing. She's not only a good person to play with on the field, but she's also someone that you look up to off the field as well. Just what she's been through is absolutely amazing. And, yeah, to play with someone like her is incredible. Um, and as you've seen, like her in the middle – she brings so much experience and you look at our spine, you've got Chekhov, you've got Stoddy, then you've got Leah Davidson next to her, who's an absolute workhorse. And then you've got Hannah Wilkinson up front and then all us little um, players behind um, in the sides. So it's, it's been incredible and our spine is definitely an awesome, awesome balance for the team. But playing with Stoddy has been incredible. What about the rivalry with Melbourne Victory? Uh, you get to see a lot of each other, especially over the first few weeks of the season with the conference system. Um, but last season, and it, it seems weird to ask you about this because you weren't there last year, but last season there was an early game at CB Smith Reserve that I think everybody remembers at City, which was, yeah, a real thumping at the hands of Victory. And you got your own back uh, over the weekend. Was there, amongst any of the players who were there last season, a, a bit of a... A revenge motivation to to keep piling on the goals over the weekend. Oh, of course, it's always um, a rivalry in a in a derby. To be honest, um, but yeah, I feel like round two they were lucky 
to get away with a 2-1 win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this weekend we just wanted to take revenge and and let let the competition know that we're here to play. And I feel like us going into the competition, people didn't have high standards for us. And I think this last weekend definitely proved that we're here. We're like, we're here to play. It's not last year's Melbourne city. It's a new Melbourne city. And we're, we're going to fight for that top spot. We're going to fight to be the champions at the end of the year. You were at the game, Josh, but sitting in the press box and we had the windows open, I could hear Melissa Barbieri telling the team, do not let them come back into the game. Do not let them score again. Like last, the first, the game, you know, previously, what's it like to have her, you know, giving that motivation, but also being, Guys, we, we are good enough to win and we are not going to let those actions from the past happen again. Yeah, Bubs is amazing. You can see, like, she's so passionate um, on the field. She gives every instruction she can. Um, even if, like, she's never played striker before, she'll tell your striker <laughs> what to do. She'll tell your midfield what to do. But she's someone that you definitely want to have on your team, not against you. Um, and you just feel so safe when you got someone like Bubs in goals. Um, but yeah, at halftime, she was giving us all a lecture saying, it's not over yet. We've got to keep fighting. Um, we were one new up in the first game. Don't give up. Like we can't concede. Um, unfortunately we did, but we still got two goals in the second half, which was too much to come, um, to come back from. Do you know what I, I love about hearing that is that she's telling strikers what to do. She must be a great, like a little bit of a trash talker to the opponents. You know, she would have been like, I can score that. What are you doing? And she's never <laughs> played strike before. And she's not one of the tallest goalkeepers as well. So for her to have like, like that kind of personality, I, I, I'm, I'm massive. I love it. I, I think the volume, the sheer volume of her voice makes her appear like bigger than she actually is when strikers are bearing down on goal. She's a, she's a big character. It's uh, it's all good fun to have her still kicking around in this league because she's got so much experience under her belt. Yeah, for sure. She's she's definitely a good one to have on your team. She's like the mum of the team, but she's absolutely amazing. Um Oh, no, you go, Josh. Gosh. Well, I was just going to say strange times we're living in and uh, you actually had to have your team talk uh, out on the pitch at halftime due to sort of COVID precautions as a, uh, because there was, a, there was a positive test. How are you managing this situation as a group? Uh, because there's a lot of uncertainty for everybody at the moment. Yeah, we're still uncertain on what's going on. We've um, been sent for PCR, um, PCR tests, so we're still waiting for all the all those results and yeah until we everyone in the team gets those results then we we won't know what's happening um but also good so far i'm hoping to get ice out of um iso soon as soon as we get the results and back training so not much of a christmas then just training uh, well we definitely had a christmas <laughs> Yeah, that's that's it. We're training on Christmas Day, and then we had a nice Christmas lunch. Um, but we had we we definitely had some fun over Christmas. But yeah, just playing board games and stuff like that. See, this is the second time I've heard about these board games at um, Melbourne City because we had uh, Chelsea Blissett on earlier, and she was talking about how you guys play Uno Monopoly. What, what? Monopoly deal. Monopoly, Monopoly deal. Is that game yep. still going around? Like, who are you? The, are you the winner of that game? Like, how's that working? Oh, there's a few winners because we play so often. But yeah, you're, we're definitely still playing Monopoly Deal. We play. Um, we have some trivia nights. We um, 
we go to bingo sometimes. So we're we're still bonding on and off the field. So it's it's absolutely great living with with your teammates as well. <laughs> who's the most competitive one in the board games, and who's the one who's always forgetting the rules and uh, doing the wrong thing? Um, I definitely got to think Holly McNamara is the most competitive about anything. Um, and Tori Tumeth, she's definitely competitive. Um, and the one that always forgets the rules is Letitia McKenna. She <laughs> just doesn't know what's happening most of the time. You know, the Holly McNamara doesn't surprise me because seeing Holly McNamara play, she is running all the time. I've never seen her stop running. Mm. She'll like lose the ball and just chase. It's quite impressive. And that's what I love about the front three of city. But one of the questions we love to ask on this show is uh, there's some people don't know a lot about um, a league women footballers. Who is a player in the city squad or even outside the city squad that people should be looking out for, for the rest of the season? Um, if you're looking internally, I definitely think Leah Davidson is one to watch out for. Her hard work in midfield definitely doesn't go unnoticed by us teammates. Um, but outside the competition or outside city, there's some young ones coming through Wellington. I'm not too sure of their names, but there's definitely some young ones there and one to watch out for. We let's put that's, people on the that's spot. That's put on the spot. Yeah, we every time yeah. it happens. Every time I can't even think of plays at the moment. Um, it's all right. You know what? Let me get back. Yeah. It's all right. Next time we have you on, you you will have plenty of players for us. Um, <laughs> so coming up against your former team on the second of January should all go well with those PCR tests. We really hope the game goes ahead. Exactly. Um, but what, what's the priority for, for City in this game? Because we, we saw that, that high press really come to fruition against victory. Is it uh, the same game plan again? Yeah, for sure. We're never going to take that away from our game. So that's one thing that is a no, non-negotiable for us is definitely that press. And, and the minute we lose the ball is how quick can we win it back? Because the longer we have the ball, the less tired and the less, the less running we have to do. So, yeah, press is our non, non-negotiable. And, yeah, that effort is just constantly something that Rado expects of us. And, yeah, there's going to be no different on the weekend, that's for sure. Well, we'll let you go. Uh, Rihanna, thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Dub. Uh, fantastic start to the season from you and your team. So we're looking forward to seeing what you can conjure up for the rest of the year. I want to see another screamer, though. That's like if, if that's the type of goal she scores, I want to see at least three more of that. And I'm also waiting to have Emma Checker score because I did tell her that I think she's going to score a goal. So I'm still waiting on that as well. <laughs> well, keep having cracks from outside the box because every highlight that you provide is more coverage for this wonderful league. Uh, you put it on the front page. So keep doing what you're doing. We love it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. That's right. We'll go to a break here on Radio Dub. We've got another special guest on the other side, this time coming from South Australia, Adelaide United's fullback, Paige Haywood. Pick it. She lays it off. Teresa Polaris. It's an absolute peach. Is driving. Radio Dub on FNR, as I'm your host, Pure Friend Pong, and with me as always, Josh. 
That was a good guest. We had uh, Brianna Policina from Melbourne City on. But now we have another great guest from South Australia, Paige Haywood. Paige, good to have you on the show. How are you? Good, thanks. Thank you for having me. Now, Paige, you guys have got a little bit of time off Adelaide because you guys didn't play this weekend uh, and you've got a little bit of a break. What are, you, what are you doing in that break? Yeah, pretty much just like one of my friends came over, so spending some time with her, training, getting refocused for our upcoming match against Perth. And I think our focus is like pretty much play our game and moving forward. And now we have some off time, which has been good to recuperate and get ready to go for this next part of the season. So if people haven't seen you play before, you've been playing right fullback most of the season, but I noticed you've got the number nine on your back. So is do you always play right back? I have been this season, but no, usually I've either been, I've been moved around. So originally it was a sentiment. Then I went to the wing and I sometimes do play a number nine. There you go. So utility player, always useful for a coach to have. Uh, how are you finding the, the new role at, at fullback? Because you, you're certainly getting forward plenty, I notice. It's a little bit different. At first, that's one position that I hadn't played up until the last week. And the girls around me also gave me the support, which helped a lot. And they were like, just do what you do defensively and make sure you get up. So it's different, but it also gives me a little, little bit more opportunity because I don't have a 1v1 battle. I usually have some space ahead of me, which is good. And it gives me, it lets me know of how I need to play because usually I'm in front of the fullback. So now I'm in the reverse role. See, Paige, before we even get, you know, into the football, your accent, it's its a bit of everywhere. Now I'm, I'm trying to place it, but I'm not good at placing accents. Can you give us a little bit of background on it? Okay, well, I went to the U.S. and in Texas. I was there for like seven years. Also been in Austria for about six months. So I think it's just a mix. And then mum and dad go, no, you need to lose the accent. So I think it's a bit of Australian as well. <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. But I, I, I appreciate and I love it. You spoke about your time in, in, the, in the US, in Texas. What was that like? What was it like playing college um, football over there? I loved it. Like I've learned so much. Just the experience of going overseas. Um, US is more physical. So going to the gym, um, skills-wise, you're out training like twice a day, almost every day. So I think it was a bit different, but I love the experience. Would go back anytime and do it again. So that's why I'm not a professional athlete, Josh. Training two times a day. I'm taking two naps a day. Come on. No way. (laughs) Well, tell us about how you ended up going over to the US in the first place, how the opportunity presented itself to you and and what you made of the experience, not only on the pitch, but just lifestyle-wise. When I was younger, I had played representative soccer. So I was with RPR, um, Inter, all those teams and always playing up a few grades, but wasn't really being seen. So I was like, well, I think I need a different opportunity, different uh, change if nothing's happening. So told my mom, came home one day actually, and told mom, I go, I want to go to college. And she goes, what do you mean? And I go, well, I want to go overseas and play and study. And she goes, okay, well, how do we do it? I said, just take me to the embassy in the city. And she's like, okay, I can do that. And then they pretty much told me just email coaches and reach out. And that's exactly what I did. 
And then my parents were like, okay, well, you need a full ride. If not, you're not going to go to try to keep me. And I was like, okay, well, this is going to be hard, but did it. Kept reaching out to coaches. Eventually one gave me a full ride to University of Texas in Brownsville. And I was like, okay, I'm going. And they were like, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, I am. Do you want to speak to the coach? <laughs> and then it just, and then I, every year I'll take it. Okay. One year at a time, if I don't like it, I could come home. And then it just kept going. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to come home in 2019. And then they called me and were like, oh, can you come back? Okay, yes. <laughs> so then it just kept happening. That's amazing. That's like, a wild story. I, no, no, I see. I wouldn't, the determination to email and email to the, the points, okay, to tell your parents, you know, we're going to the embassy and your parents are like, sure, let's go. My parents are like, have you lost, would have been like, have you lost your mind? What do you mean you're going to the embassy? What are we doing at the embassy? Yeah? We, we look like a bunch of strays. But you've managed to go to the embassy. They told you where to go. You followed through. And that's, that's quite impressive to have that level of determination. Is that something that plays into the way you play football as well? I think so. Like my parents put me in when I was four and I was like, I don't want to play this. I want to play rugby league. And they're like, well, you're not going to play rugby league because I have two brothers that played rugby league. So you stay with this or you find something else. And I was like, okay, well, I'll stay with this and be good at it. Yeah. Well, just as well then. Exactly. <laughs> Playing in the A-League women's. I think I feel like it's all worked out, hasn't it, Josh? <laughs> Seems like it. So did you get to pursue much study amid all that training over in the US? Uh, what, what did you end up uh, specialising in? Yeah, so I have a Bachelor of Science in Dietetics, so as a dietitian. Nice. So uh, you're always lecturing your teammates on what they should and shouldn't be eating or you keep that to yourself? Sometimes. Well, most of the time they ask me, I'll look at what I'm eating and think, oh, well, I need to change what I'm eating. And I go, what I like, you might not like. So I'm not too worried about what they eat. How do you, how do you pick to be a dietitian? Like it's not, it's not a typical, you know, specialty. You see a lot of college students, you know, pick like media degrees and stuff like that. How did the dietitian path find you? I think when I was younger, my parents were like, you're like obsessed with food. And I was like, wow, I actually am. So, and like what I ate and what I would do and different things like that. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm actually passionate about it. So then that's how I got into it. I feel like we need to do one of those sort of magazine supplement pieces of Paige Hayward's day on a plate. What's the what's the most interesting sort of fad superfood that you've embraced? Or do you not pay attention to all those goji berries and things? I don't, but I do like the dark chocolate, like acai blueberry chocolates. Okay. And they're like my go-to. That actually sounds pretty good. I had, I'm on board. I had like one of the, like I had quinoa salad, Josh, and I felt so good about myself. I said, <laughs> I am on a path, yeah. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a new woman in 2022. Quinoa salad's all the way. That's where I'm going. Now we just need the Chinese restaurant downstairs to uh, start closing earlier so we exactly. can't veg out after the show uh page tell us about adelaide united and how that opportunity came up because you know you've gone the roundabout route to to playing back home in australia yeah so i went to austria earlier in the year went back to the u.s and with covid and everything i was sort of like i've been away from home a year and a half maybe even more almost two years so i was like i think i'm ready to go home so i got an agent fnx sports and then within a few days, I had signed with Adelaide with him. Easy. That is yeah, it worked out really, really fast. And I had already met Stence. So that was a, in 2019, I had met him. And I was happy with the environment when I came then. And I was just injured. So to come back, I was like, that's great. 
What's the team like at Adelaide? Is it, you know, is it a really bubbly team or is everybody individually focused? Like what's the team, you know, unity like? Definitely everyone is bubbly. Like when we're off the field, we're usually all hanging out and we all get along really well. And I think that's really what drives the team is that everyone gets along and, okay, let's go to the beach today. Different things and everyone's included. That's great. I mean, uh, where does that culture come from? Is it just certain big personalities in the team end up organizing that stuff? Is it from the coach? What, what, how, do, how do you build that chemistry? Because there's a lot of turnover in the early women's league. I think the, the core group is the one that organizes everything. And then also with the coaching staff, they also implement it and say, like, this is a team environment. It's not about individuals. It's how we work together. Well, it seems to be beginning to gel. What, what do you think the, the team still needs to do this season to, to really push um, further up the standings? Because I think some of the football you've played has been quite impressive, just maybe the results haven't quite come yet. I think our biggest thing is finishing in the final third. Mm. We combine, it's that final pass that we just need to get on to or our hustling has been great. It's just finishing. Getting that ball in the back of the net I think is our biggest thing that we need to do. I think I'd agree with that because I've seen Adelaide play, I think, twice now against Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City down here. And in both games, the squad is actually quite good and they play really nice football. Maybe the opponents are a little, might be a little bit higher and they've been together for a little bit longer, but the football that Adelaide play is quite good. What has been the message from the coaching staff about, you know, after those games that, you know, they haven't gone the way, but you've played some good football? I think the biggest thing is we start off sometimes slow. So it's starting off when the whistle goes and make sure we're working hard. Everyone knows our roles and that we work hard for the full 90 minutes instead of going in, switching off for because those we um, get goals against in like two minutes and we'll get two goals against. And it's like those important moments when we have to stay focused and move forward with it. How big an impact do you think Dylan Holmes is going to have on, on her return? Because she's a player with Matilda's appearances under her belt and we know she's got an eye for goal. Uh, could that be just the reinforcement you need to, to start putting the ball in the back of the net? I hope so. I think she's come in pretty well and training has been good. Also, just her off-the-ball movement helps so much. So I think she'll come in firing and it will help our team a lot. And what about for you? What role do you see yourself playing for the rest of the year? Because uh, you can sort of play anywhere. Do you, do you, are you sometimes a victim of your own versatility that you, your position seems to change week to week? Honestly, I don't mind as long as I'm on the field. That's the main thing and wherever for the um, team need me. But I would rather up the field a little bit more. But at the same time, I don't really get to choose. So, yeah, having versatility, sometimes you can't settle in one spot. So it's like I was on the left wing the week before and now I'm on the right back. If you were to describe your playing style, how would you describe it to somebody who's never, you know, seen it before? Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I get the ball and I'll go forward, drive at someone, which I've only got over the past few years. And then I think my fitness is one that I'll battle you no matter what and I'll be physical with you as the sort of game that I'll play. She's got the nutritional advantage exactly. as well. So that's that's the key factor. Uh, this is a bit of a self-indulgent question, but um, we both uh, do a bit of MPL Victoria stuff. Uh, I've done a bit of commentary for the Women's League and I was very heartened to see the amount of uh, MPL Victoria 
or MPLW Victoria players being given an opportunity. And a couple of them have gone to Adelaide this year. Uh, Riona Amia, uh, who had a chance with South Melbourne and then immediately jumped up to the A-League. And also Leia Varley, who's a um, big prospect at, at centre-back. How have those two players adapted to the, the professional environment? I think they've adapted really well. Coming in, like every training session, they give everything. Riona, as a centre mid, I think she's a bit dangerous and I like getting the ball because she has a lot of vision mm-hmm. and so smart. Leah comes in hard every single time and literally you know that she's going to run through someone and get the ball and go. Also dangerous with beating players. Yeah, she's sort of surprisingly good on the ball for you know a player of her size and physicality. She sort of, sort of takes you by surprise, doesn't it? Yeah, she's very agile, and you get the ball to her, she'll do a couple of moves and get around you. I think she's gone around me a couple of times, and I'm like, oh, now I'm going to push to get it back. <laughs> well, you come up against Perth Glory on uh, on New Year's Day. What's the, the message there? What's the game plan? What do you need to improve on? Obviously, the finishing is, is one thing, but uh, uh, to get a win on the board uh, on home soil, what, what do you think is the priority in this one? I think we need to start fast. Go out from the first whistle and play till the end. The main thing is having winning, wanting to win in our head from the start to the end. Did you guys have predetermined goals that you'd set out for the season? Of was it making the finals? What was, or was it more just about like the style of play that you really wanted to have perfected by the end of the season? I think our biggest goal was take it week by week, win one game at a time. Don't think too far ahead, one game at a time. Win our 1v1 battles and win on the field sort of thing. Don't think about the next game. Well, shall we go, go with the customary question then, Pakul? Because we're trying to educate here at Radio Dub. We ask all of our player guests uh, to name one player uh, either from your own team or from another team that you've maybe played against. This is hard for you because you haven't been here that long, but one player to keep an eye on, one, some, one player that you think is flying under the radar a little bit because we want to we educate, we want exactly. people to, to know the up-and-coming talents in this competition. So who's stood out to you so far across the league? Can I say our team? <laughs> yeah, I think everyone in our team like works hard pretty much and I think it's going to be the ones that you don't expect that will come in and our subs always have an impact. Is the biggest thing. But one play, I don't know if I can pinpoint someone. Maybe, so, maybe you, you can cheat and say yourself. That's fine. You can say yourself. <laughs> no, she'll be starting. She wasn't exactly, talking about exactly. her. <laughs> well, Paige, thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Dub. Uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, your time off that you've had and, and your recuperation and uh, get ready for that game on New Year's Day against Perth Glory. We can't wait to see what you come up with. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thank you for having me. That's right. Absolute pleasure. Paige Haywood joining us here on Radio Dub. We'll go to a final break and uh, we've got a Sydney derby to review on the other side. Exactly. Pickett, she lays it off. Teresa Polaris. It's an absolute peach. Is driving. You stopped for a second, so I didn't realise. The chemistry. We've had a week, week off, off, but the chemistry's all out of whack. Uh, we saved me. it for the back half. That was show. me. That was me. You're too busy dancing to the I was. I got distracted. <laughs> well, 
Sydney Derby. We've talked mm. about the Melbourne Derby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably have more thoughts. I, I don't want us to sound Melbourne biased. So we've got to, you know, we've got to talk about other other teams. Yeah, fair enough. There, <laughs> there is a there is another league out there yeah. uh, outside of Victoria, unfortunately, uh, outside of our little parochial lens. <laughs> uh, Sydney FC nil, Western Sydney Wanderers nil. Mm. Mackenzie Hawksby, will the ball ever go in the net for her? I felt so sorry for her. Josh. It was just <laughs> not only has she been one of my favorite guests we've had on the show, but she's actually been one of my favorite players to watch this this year so far because mm. I think she's been playing such amazing football. She's been a real great link-up player for that Sydney side and that's the reason they've scored a lot of goals earlier. But unfortunately for her, the ball just will not go in the back of the net and I don't I don't understand why because she had some really great chances o- over the weekend. She absolutely did. I mean, they completely dominated the opening half hour against Western Sydney as you might have expected they would. Uh, big favourites this season, Sydney FC. Um, probably one of the big three, you would say, yeah. for the, in the title race. My pick to win the, the league this year. Yeah, so, you know, big expectations and a, a Wanderer side that's been really out of sorts mm. in, in recent times, or recent years rather, but they put up a good fight in the second half. I thought they did a lot more. Uh, it got a little frenetic towards the end of the game. Now, I don't want to diminish how well Western played, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers played in the second half. Mm. But I will say, the last 15 to 20 minutes watching Sydney play, I was quite frustrated at multiple points. Because at times, it seemed as if they forgot some of the basics that have got them to be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league. Some some long-range passes in the midfield, trying to do a cross-field you know, cross cut to Princess Sabini and it not reaching the target when you, you know, there was a player across from you you could have passed to and, you know, could have done a slower build-up. It was, at times, it looked like Sydney were rushing and it, I think it maybe came down to the fact that they didn't have Remy playing to, playing uh, yesterday, that they were just a little bit anxious to score a goal and, you know, mm. go forward. But they have so many great attacking players that I just felt if they were calmer at, at stages they would have scored and they would have comfortably put the Western Sydney uh, side away. There was one match, sorry, one incident in this match, I should say, that really uh, got tongues wagging and... (laughs) (laughs) A whiplash just there. The the key strokes, the impressions, (laughs) social media metrics off the charts Yes, uh, for this Sheridan Gallagher challenge. Oof. Oof. Uh, This is why I have short hair. Yeah. I was no, going to no. say, how would you react if someone pulled you by the ponytail? We wouldn't be having a friendly exchange. That's <laughs> what I'll be saying, Josh, because when I have my other hair, if somebody pulls my hair, I might lose some hair. And if I lose some hair, we'll be having some words. But it was a um, spiteful challenge. It Should was... have been a red card. I don't know if it's in the laws of the game that you can't pull someone's ponytail, but I, I but think the, it's probably an pull, unwritten rule. The pull was a, it's a fierce pull. It was no little tug at all. It wasn't friendly, that's for sure. No, she decked it. Um, honestly, that's dangerous. It's yes. Not just about, you know, not just dangerous to her follicles, but dang- <laughs> like you could get a neck injury, whiplash, whiplash from that. Whiplash, yes. Uh, it would really hurt. Yeah, it would. You're yeah. moving at speed and someone, it, that's like a, a takedown move from Mortal Kombat. For me, I think it's a red. Mm. That's just me. Um, just because I don't personally like getting my 100%. hair pulled. I think it's... It's so blatant. I will say, I don't think the ref had a great game either because... Heading down to the end, there are some challenges that occurred for Sydney and they, the ref, I can't remember exactly which Sydney player went down, 
But the ref went down as well in the space of 10 seconds. And because I think she got distracted that she'd fall and she'd forgot that there was a foul that had just occurred. And I was like, sorry, are we watching the same game Probably just embarrassed and yeah. lost concentration. But going back to Sydney, they're a great team and I really enjoy watching them play. I think they are the most fluid team that I see and they, they give me the least concern because it was another clean sheet for them. Defensively, they're very structured and very well done. I just think that they're a side that I'm a little afraid that last year they lost Vine heading into the finals and it really kind of derailed mm. them from, I think, probably they might have been the better team last year. I'm a little bit nervous as to if they're losing uh, Remy now, if they lose a big player, will they be able to overcome, particularly with the Western Sydney team that aren't amazing? They're a bit they're a bit of a no- nothing t- team at the moment. They might get better, but just right now when we look at them, mm. they're not a very they're not exciting to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, they're they're pretty pedestrian. Yeah. They work hard, but it's a bit blunt up front. I think if if Briley Henry can find her shooting boots, they will be a different proposition. Because she she gets into good positions. She does. She's very fast, and she gets goal side a lot. Uh, but there was one great save from Jada Wyman. I do think a cannier finisher could have could have squeezed that yeah. into the near post and gone low instead of attempting the little chip. Um, but easy to say, you know, as the armchair critic. For Sydney FC, Remy Seamson, I think, is a reassuring presence up front because she is so clinical and she has a lot of experience under her belt compared to some of the younger players they've got in that final third. Maybe Courtney Vine has to take more responsibility on for the goal scoring in, in her absence. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think Rojas, as good as she is technically, uh, is that out-and-out out number nine. Yeah. I think she's more of a winger. Um, yeah. So I don't think they really have a proper backup for Remy Seamson. Which uh, is concerning. And dub squads aren't that deep because it's not, not a long season, so you don't usually need that deep depth. But if she goes to the Asian Cup, then where does that leave them? I will say that a player who I think maybe could have done a little bit more was Princess Sabini. There was a moment late on in the game and she'd done this really great run in the box and it was quite late on. I think it was in extra, like the injury time she'd got in the box and they like they'd really pressed and they were came very close to scoring and then the ball went out and I believe she threw it in but she didn't continue playing she kind of stood and watched the play continue without her and the they Sydney weren't went back and you know had a few more attempts at goal but she kind of watched and I thought if she you know got into the game a little bit more like and she was and she was in that moment. She was a little bit more. Mm. They might have created a chance and you know slotted it away. I, I think this is a common trait with Princess Abini's performances. Is she's got all the talent in the world, but she doesn't always have her head screwed on right. It seems yeah. like she's not always that super focused for ninety minutes, and she doesn't seize on some of the half chances and loose balls and opportunities that maybe players who have that kind of blood in the water shark instinct like Remy Seamson does. Uh, would do, you know. So Princess Sabini, I, I think this is a bit of a tendency of hers to sort of drift in and out of games and not always be that decisive in front of goal when, you know, she's she's sort of a tantalising player, yeah. especially even for national team selectors have wanted her in the Matildas in the past because she's got that ability to beat players one-on-one. Uh, but 
I don't know if she's ever going to develop that, if she's ever going to reach that next level because it's, yeah, it's I, kind of been a few years with the, the, seeing the same sorts of things. I'll be her. honest. I, I believe this in every sport. I, I think it's one of the hardest things to teach and I think it's actually – I personally think it's impossible to teach a killer mentality. Mm. I think you have to want it in yourself and you have to have it there. I think somebody can enhance it if it's already there, but if you don't have it, mm. you will not and you cannot teach somebody – how to do it. That's the worry I have, and I hate to say it because she's one of my favourite players in this competition, but bring coming back to Melbourne Victory, that's mm. the worry I have about Ky- Kyra Cooney-Cross. When the going gets tough, does she demand the ball? Is she too timid in games? And that's something that she's going to have to work on because she needs, I think sometimes just needs a little bit more self-belief. And I didn't feel that she imposed herself, going back to the other yeah. derby, uh, as she could have in that game. And she really was a bit of a, a pedestrian watching the game go on around her while someone like Chidiak, for the example, was really, for tr- all the world, trying to influence things and make tackles and present for the ball while everything was kind of falling apart around her. I want to see that level of desperation from Abini. I want to see it from Kyra Cooney-Cross as well. I think something that um, Ante Jukic said, uh, said in the press box when, at the, the derby this weekend... And that's Ante Jukic, not Ante Juric, the Sydney yeah, coach. Yes. Important distinction to you make. Know, if, honestly, I actually, before I, I met Ante, I had I got, I used to be like, wait, who are we talking about exactly? <laughs> but um, he said that at times it looks like Kyra is very reactive as opposed mm. to, you know, being on the front foot, which is quite concerning, you know, if it's particularly if you are in a, a number 10, you know, and you're even, she's not even going to play as a number six I see that sometimes. I think she's still a fantastic player. I, I remember watch, when, watching her in that first Adelaide game. She, she when she dribbles, she dribbles really well. Mm. One of my actual things about Kyra Cooney Cross that I want to see more from her is sprints, completed sprints, because I think if we were to track the amount of sprints she does throughout the game, I don't think it's nearly as many as she should, particularly with a player of her pace. And her ability to go past people, she sometimes, you know, kind of is a little bit relaxed because she she she's better than most players. Yeah. She's a little bit calmer on the ball, but sometimes you need that little bit of intensity. Intensity, yeah. and I think she does have that intensity because at the game when they were down, I believe three three might have been three nil three three nil three nil. They had a little bit of a huddle in the in the middle, and she was the first. She was a vocal. She was very vocal. She did get the captain's armband later in the game. So that kind of surprised me. Yeah, I was I was very surprised, but I think that it shows that it's in her and her, the other players see it around her. I just want to see it for ninety minutes because she's a great player and he, he, she could get herself mm. playing for Melbourne. Which is fantastic, but if she might maybe has heights of playing in she, Europe, she should have aspirations beyond this. Yeah, this and playing in Europe. You need to show it for 90 minutes if you want to, you know, follow the footsteps of the Sam Kerrs, the Steph Catleys and the Caitlin Forbes. You've got to have that kind of energy. Absolutely. And she's got all the potential in the world. That's why we're setting this high bar for her is because she's got the ability. It's so yeah. obvious. And the fact that she was given the captain's armband, as you say, suggests that maybe she does have that. You know, she just needs a bit of a confidence boost exactly. sometimes. I so, think, yeah, and I also think that, you know, getting a new player in there with Chidiak, I think they've still got to find their balance. And, and mm. I don't want to overreact because they are still early in their partnership and I think it's going to be one of the most lethal partnerships in the league. If they can make if it If they can make it click because they have such unique abilities that can really help fix some of the problems that Victory have at the moment. But, you know, that's a problem for another day. I guess. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see uh, what uh, 
Mr. Hopkins has in store to try and restore balance to the Victory team and uh, recover from this shock result. I mean, Victory had a result last season, even when they won the championship yeah. where against Brisbane Raw, where they shipped six, I think it was. Yeah, so sometimes these score lines happen. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. But I, I can't wait to see them play next and, and see what solutions uh, have been uh, have been worked on. But that's all the time we've got for Radio Dub in 2021. Because exactly. 2022, we're going to be back better I have a feeling that our first guest for our 2022 show, she was meant to be on today's show, but certain things didn't allow her to be on. But I have mm. a feeling she will be on our first show, and I'm very excited about that. Just a hint, she runs like... Uh, like we, may have, we may have spoken about her today. Yeah, she she never stops running. She never stops moving off the ball, and she's turning heads. She's uh, she's, she's one of my favourite players. Some, somebody we know, you know, Tao. Mm-hmm. Calling for her to potentially get a look into the Madamatil. Well, she doesn't just run. She bolts. She bolts. Could she be a bolter? We'll have to <laughs> wait and see. Uh, we'll sign off for 2020, 2021 here on Radio Dub and FNR as a whole. This is a little catch-up episode yeah. to make up for uh, missing last week. We're going to take a break until the 10th of January before we make our triumphant return to the studio. Until then, stay safe. Uh, enjoy your time off if you've got it. Enjoy the football and we'll speak to you again soon. Pickett, she lays it off, Teresa Polias! It's an absolute peach! Is driving! What a hit from Melina Reyes! Wow! And Sam Kerr has a hat-trick! Minima, 1-0! This is a bomb fest, someone's talking junk, y'all bust them in the eye And then I'll pick the bomb, oh, feel it! Talking, dancing, choking, I got more pops than the cops And it's dunking, doing a shot, so now I got five The game's on the hill